Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is the podcast about dismantling modernism. On this episode, I am joined by designer, educator, and curator Jerome Harris. Jerome was most recently a teaching fellow at MICA and just became the design director at Housing Works. But I was especially interested in talking to Jerome about a show that he curated last year called As Not For, a survey of African-American graphic design. I was curious to hear about how this show came together and how working on it influenced his work and his teaching. We also talk about his circular path to graphic design, including being told by a Tyler School of Art admissions officer that his work actually wasn't graphic design and his detour attempting to become a professional dancer. We also talk about his experience both as a student at Yale and then as a teacher at MICA and how he approaches this work and the importance of showing students as wide a range of work as possible. This is a a great episode, I think, that went in a lot of different directions, and I'm so happy we got to have this conversation. I really hope that you enjoy it, too. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year. Members get an exclusive monthly newsletter that features behind-the-scenes content, links and articles from former guests about design, writing, and criticism, and previews of upcoming episodes. Scratching the Surface is fully supported through these memberships, so if you would like to help with the ongoing production of the podcast, I hope that you would consider joining. Thank you, as always, for listening, and here is me and Jerome Harris. So you originally studied advertising at Temple University in Philadelphia. Um, What were you interested at the time when you were studying there? Where did that kind of interest in advertising or what kind of career direction were you thinking about then? Look, I was like 20, 19, 20, 21. I, I had no idea, to be completely honest. I knew from what I had been doing, I was making side money designing party flyers. I had met a nice. friend in college who was designing um, party flyers. And he, you know, I told him, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good with Photoshop. And so he, used to, he, he tossed some jobs my way and I got pretty good at it, kind of picked up my own client, like promoters and stuff like that and was doing that. Um, but, uh, I actually started out at St. Joseph's university in West Philly. Uh, so it was like a weird, you know, not weird. It was weird for me cause it was a Jesuit college. I actually yeah. was there on a, on a track and field scholarship, but I hated it. Um, and I wanted to be doing what I didn't know exactly. Like I wanted to be, to be doing graphic design. Um, I didn't have a portfolio to apply to art school. So I figured, okay, I'll study advertising at Temple. It's like the closest thing. Um, So I went there, realized quickly that I wasn't going to be able to design anything. And then actually um, sent my party flyers to the Tyler School of Art and got an email back from, I think, maybe the administrative assistant or maybe I don't remember who was the chair. I don't know who it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the chair. And, the, and I don't remember the exact message, but it was something along the lines of this is not graphic design. You know, you don't mm. you're, you're, you don't have the skills to take classes in this program. Um, and, huh. you, I need, you know, need to design, you need to apply with a proper portfolio. I don't remember the exact email. I don't even have access to it, but it was something like that. And I and I remember being confused because I was like, but this is graphic design. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I so I finished I finished temple and actually realized i was like i don't want to sell people stuff 
Right. So um, I, I ended up moving to New York and pursuing my dream of becoming a professional dancer. <laughs> okay. okay. Did not see that that coming as the next step. <laughs> okay. So I have a couple questions <laughs> based on that. Uh, so you you know you said that you were designing these flyers for you know for your friends and stuff that you were good at Photoshop and then that you kind of discovered or or realized that what you wanted to do was graphic design. So I kind of want to go back even maybe before college a little bit how did you get a copy of photoshop how did you know what graphic design was what was your understanding of graphic design at that time and especially kind of being confused when the tyler guy was like this isn't graphic design what was your kind of relationship to that word or that term at the time yeah i um so i had grown up with uh in a a very black family so i like my favorite magazine that i read probably more than my dad who subscription who had the subscription to it was vibe magazine Hmm. um and vibe always had like really bombastic design really over the top typography and like i didn't even know what it was called i was like oh this is really cool and so, um and then like even the music i was listening to i was listening to you know Bad Boy, Bad Boy Records, a lot of P. Diddy, you know, Biggie Smalls, uh, Total, 112, and then, like, also, like, Cash Money Records, um, uh, all these things, like, Rockefeller yeah. Records, Jay-Z. So, like, uh, I was listening to all this stuff. <clears throat> so, you, you got to imagine, these are the images I'm intaking as, like, a, right. as a, you know, preteen, teenager. And then... Um, I ended up taking a graphic design class in high school. Um, mm. and my teacher basically just, she just like taught us a few basic tools and uh, Photoshop. And uh, I don't even know if there was Illustrator then. This was like 2000, uh, 2002, 2001. Okay. And, and she uh, taught us a few tools and was like, okay, do a self-portrait. Okay, make a collage. Like, you know, there's high school projects. Yeah, yeah. But um I took a liking to the to the software. Um and even before that, this is even going back a little bit more. My mom actually we had a desktop computer at the house with that didn't have Photoshop. So my mom would ask me to make flyers for family events. She would do yeah. like family cookouts or uh she she's been doing a toy drive for years and years now. Um kind of collecting toys and then hand delivering them to families in need in New Haven, Connecticut. So I've been like, I actually still design that flyer every year. That's <laughs> awesome. I love that. <laughs> do you still do it? I hope you still do it on that old desktop computer. No, I would like the same one. They don't have it anymore. <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny. I did. I was the. I did the same way. We had like an old uh, gateway computer that had. I, I've told this story on the podcast before. Um, Microsoft Print Shop Deluxe. Yeah, that's what, that's what I use. <laughs> yeah, and that was like my entry into graphic design as yeah. like a, a like 10, 11, 12 year old, and I would make flyers and I made signs, and um, it was only later that I realized that I was kind of doing this stuff as like some of my earliest memories yeah exactly i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about finishing at temple moving to new york and you said you then pursued your other dream to become a professional dancer or tried to pursue that dream and so could you talk about that time in your life and basically spoiler alert you eventually end up at Yale studying graphic design again and so I'm I'm wondering how how 
what you were kind of doing at that time in your life and how graphic design came back into it or or maybe not to make it too like narratively nice how did that kind of time as a dancer get you back to design you know what i mean well i, I funny enough i had never stopped so i okay. so when i moved to new york um i was at, initially i had a boyfriend out of a out of college and he was from long island so we actually moved into his parents attic for a couple of months while we looked for, oh. we both looked for jobs and nice uh and etc so i ended up getting hired at a print shop and i literally like walked in with uh i, I emailed them i, I was like <laughs> I, I emailed i was like hey you guys need a designer and look, uh, funny enough, the, de- the designer who was working there was leaving for a, for a corporate job. And they were like, yeah, mm-hmm. we do. So I walked in with this like crappy portfolio, like the black plastic cover with the sleeve yeah. that you insert 11 by 17s into. So I printed yeah. out all of my flyers. <laughs> it, it was I'm, I'm surprised I got hired. Like I printed out all my flyers, put them in this sleeve and brought them down there. And the guy looked through them and the designer was there. And he was like, come, he was like, come to the computer with me. So, so he was like, here, I'm going to give you, he was like, this is, he gave me a real job at the, at the print shop. He said, I want you to like, you know, cut out this image, put it on this background, you know, make a headline, blah, blah, blah. So I just like designed it pretty quickly. I was like pretty efficient with uh, Photoshop at that time. And then he, he, the guy, my boss's name was Steve and he was like, Steve, he's good. And then he was like, all right, you start. It was, like, it was like nothing it, and it, I, I wasn't even on, like I literally got an envelope of cash like I was I wasn't even like on payroll yeah I and love then, that that's awesome so um and I made a bunch of really bad stuff but it was almost like an intensive in the Adobe creative suite which was fun. yeah and I yeah. got and I got to know the ins and out of like offset printing um digital printing like pre-press like all of that kind yeah. of in the early 2000s which was which is which is a knowledge i still use right now <laughs> so um so i was actually and my boss was cool i told him i you know i wanted to be a dancer and um so i eventually got signed to a dance agency it was called a clear talent group uh, oh, a lot of like commercial dancers um that you might see on like on tv commercials or dancing behind recording artists are usually represented by these uh by one by these agencies so um i ended up doing a few cool jobs one of them that (laughs) i always brag about because the only one that people really know is uh i I was in the step up 3d the dance movie oh yeah installation of that cheesy dance movie but it was uh yeah i was one of the dancers on the cast that's my uh, claim to fame <laughs> now I feel bad. I'm I'm pretty sure I only saw the first one of those movies. You don't, you don't even see. You literally I have to like stop the tape so people can see where I am in in the one scene that I got cast for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but you see my name in the credits, so I dance more in the credits than I do in the movie. I love that. The um but yeah that's 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 how i went i i lived in new york i was auditioning my my boss was really flexible he was like hey as long as you get your work done by five or six um you can do whatever you want so i was like all right and um yeah it was a it was a nice little nice little gig um it was fun because i because uh, it was nice to have a dance community it was a bunch of people like me who just like moved to new york trying to pursue right. their dream of becoming a dancer then 
we all some of some of us are still friends now and people are you know we're all like fat and some people have kids now <laughs> but like we we all still take dance class i still teach dance class actually so it's oh, interesting still, it's still something that's with me but i i don't know if i'll ever pursue it as a career again i actually can't i've, I've aged out and I, have, and I have a beer belly now, so it's not <laughs> well, I mean, that was that was kind of going to be my next question: is is did you did you have some sort of tension between those during that time in your life between a I hesitate to use the word career, but you know, a career as a designer versus a career as a dancer were those things that you were kind of both equally interested in? Was the design job just, this is what pays the bills while I try to do this other thing? What was that kind of relationship like? This is a kind of indirect answer, but I <laughs> always knew that I think I watched my parents and my grandmother and my aunts and uncles work these jobs. They never, they didn't want to work. Mm. Yeah, they worked at, uh, a lot of my family worked at Pratt and Whitney and Connecticut, which built uh, helicopter and airplane parts. Um, but it was very good paying with insurance and all this. And so they were just trying to like, you know, pay, li- you know, working to live. And right. I was like, I don't want to do that. So um, I'm glad, you know, my parents took care of me and, uh, you know, gave me a roof over my head and a chance to ha- live, you know, live the life that I wanted in a way. And um, I was like, I'm not, I, if I'm, if I'm going to work a job, I'm going to do something that doesn't feel like work. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I decided really early. So I was like, if I'm going to work, I'm going to work as a graphic designer, which I ended up doing in New York. And then I was like, then I want a career in dance. So mm. when I was working at the print shop, I loved it every day going in there and making crappy <laughs> crap, making menus and, and decals for, for retail stores and stuff like that. But um, I liked it. And I liked pursuing, you know, the grind of auditioning and meeting dancers and doing that stuff as well. Um, so there was never any tension. They, they were both things that I like to do. I just didn't, I didn't even know what to call a career at the time, right? I was you know, right. still kind of living paycheck to paycheck. And then when I did get a dance job, you get paid a lot of money, like, you know, $3,000, $6,000, something like that. Mm. But then you get no dance jobs for like, right 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 (laughs) you know this this is not a question that i was planning on asking you but i kind of want to follow this thread for a while if we can yeah um and i will admit to you that i really don't know anything about dance um are there did you see connections or are there relationships between design or the design process and dance or or you know, choreography. I feel I feel like there are, and I've talked to other designers on this podcast who have been involved in dance in some way, mm-hmm. um, but we've never kind of talked about it. What do you have thoughts on that? No, I uh, yes, I, I really tried. I actually my MFA thesis was an attempt at using my choreographic data to generate graphic design. And, um, I, I mean, I personally feel like, feel like it was a failure in a way, just because I was, uh, being in grad school at Yale was, was, uh, very difficult for me in a way. I was not coming from fine arts. I couldn't talk the talk. Mm. I was, I was trying, I was actually getting, learning two degrees at the same time. I was learning how to be a, a fine arts person at the same time as, learning how to uh, design and talk about my work, like doing things I had a bunch of things I had never done before. Right. So, right. Um, so it was, so I think that that thesis would have been better if I might've been 
uh, mentally prepared for <laughs> for that. Yeah, whole yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy three years. <laughs> but um, the, back to the connection. I'm sorry. the The only connection is in the in like kind of the uh, data data part of it. Like I like I um. I, or, or for, okay, for example, when I choreograph, a, when I make a piece of choreography, I don't like to repeat the same movement more than once or twice. Um, so, okay. like, formally, if I'm thinking about a poster, like a 24 by 36 poster as a piece of choreography, you know, like temporally from the top left corner to the bottom right corner, I wouldn't want any crop as you scan the page to ever look the same. You know what I mean? So mm, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, so like, there's kind of like a this this uh, application of my musicality or like rhythm from my choreography into how I compose a page or maybe do do make a piece of motion. Um, but this, I don't. Other than that, no, they, because it, okay. because they they are two diff, two separate things completely. Right. And two separate processes in my head. So, I mean, you mentioned that you kind of tried to connect them during your thesis and that your time at Yale was was a challenge. So if, if it's okay, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Why, um, why did you decide to go back to school and what were you kind of interested in or why, what was, what were you kind of thinking about at that time when you decided to go to Yale? You know, I think it got, it, so I had a, I was burnt out in, <laughs> in New York and yeah, um, I was just tired. It was, it's, it really takes a beating on your ego to be yeah. told no again and again and again at auditions. And I just decided to switch over into teaching dance and I stopped kind of, I didn't stop designing party flyers cause I needed money, but I started making self-generated work, so kind of work about being gay, work about being a dancer, um, work doing dance. I mean, doing design for dancers that I knew, so that I could um, kind of work on figuring out what Jerome's graphic design looks like, as opposed to doing what my clients wanted. Right, and right. Um, and. I noticed that I was missing kind of a polish, or I knew there was something missing, like. I, like I wasn't doing research. It was all kind of intuitive work. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, I knew I was like a, a smart person, but I didn't know. I didn't think of graphic design kind of an academic way. It was just kind of like open Photoshop, blank canvas. What am I going to do? Right. So, right. <laughs> right. Um, and so I kind of like st- I taught myself like HTML and CSS and I taught myself like InDesign and Illustrator and started um, making books and making large scale, mm. larger posters and started doing things I had never done before thinking about, um, what I didn't even know was like typography or, you know what I mean? Just like playing, right, with, right. playing with type in new ways. And, um, and, and I knew, and because I felt that I was like, Oh, there's, there's something that my work doesn't look like this work, but it can, I know it can. Like I'm yeah. looking online, I'm looking at I'll, when I go to the bookstore, when I go to museums, or I go to the gallery and pick up uh, printed material. I'm like, this is so nice. How can I, you know, <laughs> yeah. why does my work look like this? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I applied to grad school. I just felt I just I, f- I felt something missing, and I'm really and it, I did the three year program, so the preliminary oh, yeah. year wasn't the uh, MFA program. It's just like graphic design boot camp for one year, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that I think that was like partially one of the most important learning graphic design learning intensive years of my life because I 
um, learned, I worked in all mediums and I was really, I, I, I was really frustrated because my teachers were like, think conceptually Jerome. And I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> right. Right. Why? Right. What? <laughs> you know? And, um, and learning how just work, working my creative muscles and, and learning how, cause I mean, conceptual thinking in itself is a skill that needs yeah. to be honed. You don't even need to design anything. Like it's just a thing that you, you can do through sketching or writing just to get the thoughts out. And um, for me, that was the biggest takeaway that first year. And then moving into the ma- the master's year, then I was super insecure because I'm in, in there with all these people, you know, all these big right. words and, and worked all these amazing jobs. I'm like, shit, I just have, I just made this apply to a party flyer. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean there i mean there must have been something in those party flyers you know like there 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 had to have been some something that got got their eye to get you there um i i think so i i thought uh, there was one project i did in the class with laurel schwartz i always say her name wrong sorry oh yeah yeah uh one i did took took a interactive class with her but we had to do a we had to make images based on uh, a, a Twitter feed of our choice. And it was every day for 30 days or something like that. So um, I chose this gay rapper Leaf um, from, from Brooklyn. And I, I, that was the first time I didn't feel the pressure to design things that looked modernist or like anything like this. I was kind of like, I'm going to go back to my party flyer, you know, mm. days. And I would make, I would make these ridiculous collages that just in this working the same way I was before was with party flyers, but then with the Yale weirdness in there, like scanning stuff and moving on the scanner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and so I was, so then I, uh, I think some of my classmates were like, this is really cool. And I was like, well, this is what I was doing anyway. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is regular. Why aren't you doing this? Can you talk more about that? This is something that I think about a lot um, of this, just this like idea of amateurism, Mm -hmm. I guess you could kind of say. And um, I've been thinking a lot about my own undergraduate design experience and how kind of like, kind of like what you're talking about, there was, uh, there was something that was like, very intuitive about it. I was just kind of going with my gut. I was just kind of making things all the time in these like different ways. And then somehow through education, through working, through bosses, whatever, <laughs> some of that amateur niche, some of that intuitiveness gets beat out of you. Yeah. Um, and I even think like the thinking conceptually or thinking, you know, something, everything has to have some sort of meaning. It almost can sometimes do the inverse of what it's trying to do because you're like putting all of these rules or pressure. How did you kind of think about that while you were in school and you were kind of learning all of these new things you were learning to think conceptually, but you're also like going back to your old work. How do those things start to come together for you? Um, I think, and and this is also a reason why I feel like my uh, kind of thesis uh, well, I don't think it completely failed, but I, I looking back, I, I feel like it could have been much better. But I felt the pressure. Yeah, of course. Make- I think everybody thinks their thesis could be better after <laughs> after they're done with it. But I felt the pressure to make this like seductive modernist work, you know. I, I and then mm. the work that I was making that was kind of in the vein of what the, what what I was doing before. Uh, my professors could what could didn't respond to. They couldn't mm. respond to it. I feel like they uh, they would look at it and they they 
they would say they wouldn't say it was bad, but it clearly was a bad critique. But right. I, I also just thought, well, you don't know where I'm coming from, <laughs> you know. It's a, and it's a, yeah. for me, it almost felt like an identity thing. You know what I mean? I'm presenting a new um, characteristic to you. I remember one of my professors actually told me, based like based on the way I speak, spoke in class was super casual. He was like, "Drum, do you ever?" Um, are you familiar with like code switching or um, changing registers? And I was kind of like, no, I'm just, I'm just the same person all the time. Uh, and, but I didn't, it didn't really hit me until I went home that night and I was like, oh, he wants me to be like a upstanding Negro. I see. Like, you know, he wants me to be yeah. like a more proper in this, in this, in this context. I, I, it really didn't make, I didn't, I, whatever. It was kind of, it hit me kind of hard. Um, but yeah. But yeah, yeah, the I forgot now. I forgot the question. <laughs> just, just kind of like how, I mean, because you're talking about you, you, you're, you're kind of like answering the question um, yeah. already. But you're, you're, you're talking about kind of how hard your time at Yale was because you didn't have this kind of art background. You're learning oh, how to think conceptually, but you're also kind of realizing that that early work was no. there was something to that. And how all of those things start to come together for you, how you kind of worked through all of these different things. I mean, even kind of being subtly told that your work needs to be modernist, you know, or or that, that your point of view isn't maybe, quote unquote, good design. How do those things start to come together for you to start kind of generating new work and new ideas? Um, okay, 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 part one. You know, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I've said a lot yeah, there. I got you. So part okay. one, I I got in like screen, screaming matches with like Abake and like uh, who else was I arguing with? Um, Irma Boom. Like, okay. I'm like, like I'm like people are telling me like this is like the most important workshop you ever do in your life and I'm like why? This is dumb. You know? <laughs> so um, that was my time at Yale. It was all these all these capital D, capital D graphic designers telling me um, what I was doing wasn't good enough. And I'm like, well, tell me why. I was like, I think you just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but I also was seduced. And even like my classmates were doing really cool experimental stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool, too. But like, I didn't understand why. Anyway, so that was my right. it, it was crippling self-doubt and also insecurity and also but also a little bit of like fighting back because I was just kind of like, well, tell me why so I can fix it. Yeah. Um, so that's the first part. And then moving forward, I think that I've tried to start um, working like working in new experimental. Like, I think I didn't get grad school until I finished. And then when I. <laughs> yes. I know exactly what you mean. And then when I finished, I was like, oh, shoot, I have like all these. Like, I think I was just I was in a better like my mental health was a little better. I had like money in my pocket and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I feel better. So I I was working for an organization called Art Space and I did kind of the the, uh, visual identity. Uh, Art Space is an arts nonprofit in New Haven, by the way. And I did the visual identity for an annual event they have called uh, Citywide Open Studios. And I think that's the first time that I really uh, got to show my chops because I got to make everything myself and I really made a whole uh, visual identity system and then 
pumped out like up to like 50 deliverables for like print web you know motion pieces animated banners social media all of this by myself and I was kind of like oh I couldn't have done this before because I was literally doing one piece <laughs> and sending it to the client whereas now I was able to I I, I you know I, I was able to see all the skills that came up but um then I was I started doing this this 2d flat stuff and whereas before I was doing kind of more dimensional, glowy, blingy stuff, kind of in the way mm. of like a pen and pixel, like cash money record. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I also I also had to catch myself and I was like, why? You know, I was like, I, I it was even kind of difficult for me to start stepping back in that direction because I got out of, out of the habit of working in that way. Um, so yeah. I think slowly as I... Um, started doing more and more freelance work i started moving back toward that direction um um with with now with that kind of like ability to think through and do and research have a kind of a research-based process and our approach graphic design i want to i want to try to connect this a little bit maybe to to the exhibition that you curated uh this was that earlier this year that was in september that's okay i showed it and then it's it's like all over the place now Okay, so so you curated this exhibition called uh, "As Not For Dethroning Our Absolutes," and this this exhibition, which um, I will admit I've only seen pictures of, I didn't get to experience it yet in real life. Um, but it is is a kind of survey of uh, black graphic designers throughout history. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm wondering if. I'm wondering if you could kind of talk about where this came from, because kind of hearing you talk about um, professors telling you about code switching and that that these certain modernist principles are important and that your work should be a certain way and come from a certain place. Um, and you kind of fighting against that, saying you don't really kind of understand who I am or where I'm coming from or what my point of view is. I, I feel like these are connected in some way. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the way that we often talk about design history is that modernism is kind of the pinnacle is this still is what good design is. It's kind of how we talk about it. Uh, And this is a topic that comes up on the podcast all the time that design history, that is a very limiting way to talk about design history and that there are a lot of people, there are a lot of ideas, there are a lot of cultures that are kind of completely written out of that. And could you talk about the exhibition and how that's kind of trying to remedy this and also how you started to think about this and, and kind of realizing that these things you're being taught are actually just one point of view, not gospel. Yeah. I think I realized it's pretty, uh, my first year in grad school uh, I design history class with Doug Scott and everybody knows Doug Scott. Yeah. yeah. If you went to RISD or Yale, you, you've taken, you know, that you've taken design history with him. So his seminar was um, for me almost life-changing because it, because it, Mm. I never thought to research design. Like I didn't think it mattered who designed the typeface and, And yeah. thinking about historical context and design. So I do have to give him props for that. But there were no black people in his lectures. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, well, as the only black person in the program, I was like, well, there's <laughs> the black people. <laughs> so um, yeah. the uh, we had to do a, des- a design research um, project and then present um, like a book 
about this about the our figure. So most people chose kind of you know April Griman and Wolfgang Weingart and mm-hmm. um, the you know the classic Stephen Stephen uh, Sa- Sager Meister and that guy. And um, <laughs> and I chose Buddy Esquire, who was a party flyer designer for during the rise of hip hop in mm. um, the seventies and eighties. And um, in my effort to do research, I couldn't find anything on him. Um, Cornell had a really cool archive um, of hip hop party flyers that I did a lot of my um, kind of visual research from. And then there was a woman at Cornell, Amanda Lalonde, I hope I'm saying her name right, who wrote an extensive kind of bio on Buddy Esquire. This is really all I had to go off of. And then a lot of it was just kind of like speculative, like um, with the understanding that he was like, for example, inspired by... uh, art you know art art deco because he said mm. he's like he's he was really into art deco uh, posters and architecture um some of his flyers kind of mimic art deco um uh facades on government buildings in the bronx so it's it's easy for me to mm. believe that he was looking at this and being like let me you know one yeah. i'm transferring this but not may also abstracting it so it's like whatever so, I, but I, that, that was the first time I ever did that, but it was so difficult. Um, and I kind of stopped doing that kind of like black graphic design research. Then when I finished school, I kind of picked it back up. I discovered other people like phase two, who I actually interviewed. He's still alive. I interviewed him mm-hmm. in the AIGA Iron Design Worth um, issue, which came out last month, two months ago. And then uh, more and more people kept popping up. I was finding out about all these designers in Chicago um Leroy Winbush, Emmett McVean and I was like the, but like the funny thing was is that these guys were also like kind of trained by guys from the Bauhaus or working in advertising agencies working in modern right, I'm like right. why do I not hear about these guys um so then that's kind of the input that was kind of the impetus for the show I, when I got hired as a teaching fellow at Micah uh, we were required to do me and Minson EO shout out to Minson um, he was the other fellow, um, graphic fellow, and um, we both did research. And it was really funny because we ended up doing research in our own identity. He did Hangul typography, oh, integrating, nice. integrating Hangul typography with the English language and effective ways, which I thought was amazing. And then I did kind of a history of survey of um, African-American graphic designers of the 20th century. And um, so it was supposed to be a book and Brockett Horn, the chair, she suggested, she was like, why don't you make an exhibition? And I was like, I, she, I was like, don't give me a challenge because I'll do it. But I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I had never curated before. I had never like written um, academically kind of beyond graduate school. And um, I just took it on. I, I, you know, I went to Chicago a couple times. There was so much to look at. University of Chicago, University oh, nice. of Chicago campus. Um, University of Houston has a huge um, pen and pixel archive um, of all the Cash Money and Master P, Snoop Dogg artwork. Um, where else? I, I the list goes on and on. I kept discovering so many archives, and then even in the back of my head, I was kind of like, I bet you there's stuff in like somebody's grandmother's basement that I'm never yeah. going to see. Yeah. But um yeah, it and and I it was a very graphic designery show, designerly show. I it was a poster show. It was a 
what what somebody called a meta poster show because it was posters of posters sometimes. So, oh right, because you you reproduce them all at the same yeah size within yeah. a kind of standard poster format. Yeah. So it was like a scale. Uh, some things, no, nothing was really to scale. Everything was either scaled up, except for the uh, W. E. B. Du Bois posters, which were scaled down. Mm. Um, and I did the show, and I ended up getting a lot of press. I was in on the Afropunk website, on the AIGA yeah. design website, um, and I was just kind of like, okay, I was like, you guys like this, don't you? <laughs> I was like, I, <laughs> I thought I was going to put up the show and take it down and go on about my life. Um, yeah. And so the show's traveled. It's been at VCU. It's been at RISD. It's been at um, City Tech in Brooklyn. Um, it's going to um, MCAT, MCAT? Mm. Minneapolis College of Art. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been at CCA in San Francisco and Oakland. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. And and I and and I, for me, it's hard because it was a selfish project. It was like right. I need, I need to know I need to be able to prove to people the reason why my work looks the way it does, and also I need to be able to prove to myself that there were myself that were, there were other black designers in the field because I don't see I don't see too many black people in the field, or I didn't see too yeah. many black people. So I did this show, and all the black people came off the woodwork. And I'm like, where are y'all? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I almost, I almost feel like there is something in the, you know, you said you did this kind of selfishly and to kind of prove to yourself. I, I'm thinking about that administration's person at Tyler who said, this isn't graphic design, <laughs> you know, that, that in some weird way, this is a response <laughs> to that guy. Uh, and saying, look at all of these party flyers uh, designed by these great designers who were tr- also trained by Bauhaus guys, just like, yeah. you know, just like you were. And the, the funny thing is also that, like, I, I even when I was at Yale, I, c- I also couldn't argue back why my work was good. Right? They, it was mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't say your work is bad. They would say, in you know, uh, art school critique language. But I also couldn't be like, well, if you look at Buddy Esquire and Pen and Pixel, I'm actually, you know, using heavy layering and photoshop right, See, right i couldn't i didn't have that language to to explain it i was kind of like un- incapable so now i feel like for me it was kind of being able to give receipts as they say in the real housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> right. well that was that was kind of my next question actually i was kind of curious how doing this research and putting together this show how has it changed how you think about both your work specifically, but also just graphic design as a field or as a profession. Uh, oh, <laughs> I actually just wrote about this in um in the Amalgam magazine by Pooja. Okay. I can't uh, I can't think of his last name right now. Um, which that should be coming out, but it's it's called uh, that article is called um, "Against But in the Spirit of Modernism." And just kind of like goes over the how modernism modernism is trying to fight against like the uh, the Renaissance and the Enlightenment in a way and uh, these antiquated kind of traditions and bring about the new. And now modernism is now that antiquated uh, right, <laughs> traditional right, method right. of 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 working with text and image, which now needs to be uh, needs a new modernism needs to happen. And I think about like postmodernism too, but like, it's, I, I still feel like there, there's a, a ne- another step that, that can be taken. I'm, I'm curious how, how these ideas that you're talking about, um, of kind of 
you know, both rethinking design history and how we talk about it and kind of the the work that inspires you. How does how do these ideas come into the classroom now that you're also teaching yeah, I, design? Are they kind of influencing that? Well, you know, I think if anything, I'm I, what I'm not doing is is trying to make my classroom a mini Bauhaus is which is what I feel like a lot of graphic design teachers do. Um, yeah. I'm not going to call anybody out, but I feel like a lot of people do that. And um, I tend to show a wide range of work. I show amateur work. I show zines. I show music videos. I show, mm-hmm. I do, I do show commercial work, but I also show um, like work by up and coming designers. You know, I, I, I try to show a range. I show other students work. Like, yeah, I, I try to show everything. Yeah. Um, I, and um and I, I'm not everybody does that, and it, and I think that what happens is um, my student my students' work ends up being in some, their own kind of combination of what they're interested in, as opposed to me art directing what I right. think their work should look like, or or they're just showing them a limited set of work and saying, okay, work in this narrow framework. Right. So right. I think that's if anything, that's the way that. Um, my interests feed into it. I have a larger interest in, I just don't have as much time as I want, but I would like to research kind of more American subcultures mm. and beyond hip hop, hip hop definitely because that's what I grew up with. But like thinking about like Chicano culture or um, thinking about, like I don't even know yeah. if Native Americans were making graphic design, but if they were, I'm pretty sure it was pretty cool. <laughs> no, I just want to. I just want to know. I want to know what people were doing on the margins and kind of trying to find a way to like respectfully um, honor that and my work. You know what? What I find interesting about it. Yeah, I, I have. I have two questions about that, and these might be completely selfish questions. Okay. To be to be honest, um, you know, I think I'm really liking what you're saying about how you're trying to not have the classroom just be a mini Bauhaus or a new Bauhaus. Yeah. Um, which I agree. I think a lot of design education is trying to kind of just kind of continue that. And that's what my undergraduate graphic design education was like. And so when I started teaching kind of, I had all of these ideas of how I was going to do things differently. And then my first year of teaching was basically just doing, you know, teaching in, in a very similar way to the way I was taught because I knew how to do that. And it made it easier to you know, present things and talk about things. And now the longer I've been teaching, I've been trying to move away from that a a little bit and trying to get into more of this mode that you're talking about. I'm curious how your students respond to this, especially (laughs) when they might have other professors who are telling them otherwise. Um, How do you kind of navigate that of of being, hey, I'm, I'm showing you a bunch of different things. There are other people who will say that this is wrong, but guess what? It's not. Uh, are students into that? Are they, you know, kind of self-conscious about it? What's that, what's that experience like? I don't know. It's, it's really, it's 2018, 2019. This last school year was really weird because students don't talk. They, they like, they like to, they, they don't talk. I asked them to participate in class. They don't say anything. So partially, I don't know, but <laughs> I, but they do gossip and the students that do are my fans. They do, they, they tell me that, Students who don't like my class tend to think that I teach too loosely. Like I'm not super didactic, which I do on purpose because I'm like, yeah, figure it out. Like here, yeah, 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 yeah. Here, I'm the same way. Here's the tools. Okay, go home and think about it. 
and then I'll correct you next week. Um, and but um, but some of my students like that. They like the autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've learned that I can't. I do have to be a little didactic. I do have to give them like I've started putting like a number, make a numbered list of requirements for homework assignments, for example, and then grading based on that because. Um, they just because they don't know what to do on their own sometimes. Right. Um, but OK, Dutton, back to your question. The. Um, I, uh, you know, look, I'll, I'll tell you this. I've had I don't, uh, I'll say a dozen plus students of color come to me and tell me I'm not getting enough feedback in class from my professor. Can we meet one on one to talk about my projects? Hmm. Um. And this isn't just black kids, it's Asian, uh, Middle Eastern, South Asian, like all, everybody. And, it's, and, and it, I've almost become this kind of like outspoken, outspoken, you know, person of color in the department who they feel comfortable with, um, who coming to and saying, hey, I did work about my identity, but I, but nobody knows how to talk about this. Or I'm being told that I should lessen my cultural <laughs> my background and my work and make it more quote unquote professional. And that, that really pissed me off. So I don't know. I really, I really pull them aside and try to talk to them, try to talk them through it, let them know, you know, I mean, a lot of times, and and this isn't even like bashing white people, but like a lot, I think white people just don't, it's really easy to live a default non, you know, white life. And and not, you, you might not even be trying to be an asshole, but like, you just don't know what to say just because you've never encountered that thought before. Right. You know? um, and, but, you, but, I, but I do feel like it's uh, you, you need to take the responsibility of getting your student the resource. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's that it's important, especially if they want to do work on identity and you say, you know, I can't help you, but let me get you somebody who can. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, you are talking about something that I think about, every day in the classes that you know as a as a straight white man who's teaching predominantly international female students yes um you know i'm kind of confronted with this literally every class uh and so it's it, you know and it's why i'm thinking about all of this stuff that we're talking about of oh am i just showing all the same white dudes in class again you know yeah um and and so you know it's I, I feel like you know all of this stuff we're talking about is kind of we have to rethink the whole system of how we teach design. Otherwise, it is going to be that take out your identity, make this more corporate. Which which what does that even mean? You know, yeah. in that context. Yeah, I think I, I said something a little controversial in a faculty meeting recently because we were uh, we were given a task to assess student juniors rising you know rising juniors mm-hmm. yeah. um, and I was uh, largely disappointed because it just looked like copy like they looked at things that looked good like they looked at yeah. Chobani redesign yeah. or cool <laughs> cool things on the internet and then they just copied it you know and it, and it looks uh, clean and like resolved but it's not the work of a graphic designer so I said in the meeting, I was like, this is the work of a production artist. This isn't the work of a graphic designer. And if you want, if that's what you want to teach in a college, that's this, you may might as well go to portfolio mm-hmm. school. You know, they're like at school, <laughs> yeah, <that. clears> because they're not they're not learning what they're supposed to be learning in this place. And I've got a little bit of uh, fire for that, but 
uh, I mean, I, I wasn't. It's it's true though. They're they're not learning how to be graphic designers. Yeah. So they're going to be looking. They don't know how to think. That's that's the part that's yeah. missing. So well, well, can 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 you talk more about that? Because again, th- this is something that I actually talked about this with my students. We we're just kind of having an informal discussion about the design field and that sort of thing to wrap up the semester and they were talking about how they enjoyed in the in this class being able to kind of do work that meant something to them and that was different and giving them space to kind of be a quote-unquote experimental and that they were fearful that when they move into the quote-unquote real world that they won't be able to do that anymore and that they will have to just be those kind of production artists and basically kind of asking, is that what we should be learning here? It's just how to do that other thing instead of this like stuff that's from ourselves. Um, And so it's like a thing that they're thinking about of, you know, how do I navigate my education so I can have the best portfolio to get a job? How do you talk about that balance um, either with other faculty or even just with your students who are kind of thinking about these questions? Um, I think that I, I taught a class called, uh, it's GD4 at MICA, but it's, um, basically like, it's like partially conceptual thinking, partially, um, like systems, uh, system mm. development in a way. So learning how to think systematically, make a machine and then pump your content through it and see what happens on the other end. Um, so learning how to build the machine and then learning how to think conceptually to assemble the machine in a way if that makes sense right so um they that class complained about me so well i learned after the fact at the end of the semester <laughs> and it made um it made brockett really nervous about me because she because the, the students really didn't understand that i was um pushing them way further than they they were thinking way right. harder conceptually than they'll ever have to think on any job that they'll ever have. But I've explained to them along the way, when you get a job, you're going to have like a creative director and an art director and maybe like a senior designer. And then you're just going to have like all these ideas that are never going to make it to the top. So right. like, <laughs> right. So what you need to do is learn how to be generative, make a bunch of stuff. And then like, have all these things to choose from and then be select, learn how to edit all these things. And um, they didn't get it until the very end when it was time for them to put their machine to work and they were making stuff and they were like, huh, this doesn't work. I need to change this. And I was like, exactly. It's like, you right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so it was, uh, some of my students really still praise me to this. They're senior graduating seniors. And they were like, I loved your GD4 class. Nice. Some, some of them just completely avoid me and don't talk to me at all. So I uh, think that always happens. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's the, that um, rigor is kind of like, I, ch- I put, say this, in, I mean, in all my classes, I teach uh, interactive design too. And I let them know like, okay, learning how to code HTML, CSS is important. Cause if you get a product design job at a, you know, at a I don't know, digital agency, whatever, um, you're going to have to do a mock-up of an app or something like this and just code it yourself. And then you send it off to production right. or the developer who actually make, does a thing for real. Um, and, it, and it's important for you to know how to think interactively for like UX, UI design, you know? So like, um, but I say this in class just to try to make it one for one for them, even though it's still abstract in their right. head, like they don't, like, they're like a job, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You started mentioning 
a little bit about this already, but I'm kind of curious about what you're thinking about now. What are your research interests? What kind of work are you interested in right now? What's next for you at this point? Um, I am, I think after this exhibition as not for i am so i am actually really tired of talking about race and diversity and inclusion okay i'm sorry <laughs> no, no no it's okay it's okay because i do th- I, I think i'm also realizing that with my with that with my kind of exhaustion of talking about it i do feel like it's like white people need to be t- like the dicks that are white people need friends who are saying hey you're being a dick just calm down because i mean because yeah. I, I can't do it <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the white people who are a little more level headed need to be like, hey, this is cruel. Like, you need to stop doing this. Like, I, I'm I'm tired of being. I'm t- black people. People of color shouldn't have to do it anymore. So, so I'm actually kind of interested. I'm a big gamer, and there there are so many little nuances in game design and graphic. There's it's such a rich. Um, mm visual language it's really tacky all at the same time bright colors and explosions and meters but like you can extract things out of it and i feel like can build beautiful compositions um so i'm really interested in building fantasy worlds and 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 thinking about um video games that i'm obsessed with and borrowing kind of language i made a book in grad school that i love which instead of having page numbers there's a health meter at the top and you die at the end (laughs) of the book yeah. And so I'm at, and that, that was like maybe like the first time that I ever did it. And I was like, I want to go back to that. You know, I kind of want to always use health meters as page numbers. Yeah. And, I, and like I want to just start bringing kind of that language into kind of traditional graphic design. Yeah, that's hilarious. So, yeah, I think it's uh, and I'm also I mean, I think you get that I'm, I'm a I'm a huge uh, goofball. Everything's. I, I can't take a lot of things seriously because it, it just it, I will be sad and depressed in my life. <laughs> yeah. So um, I have to laugh. Let let a lot of things go. Um, so <clears throat> with that being said, I think building fantasy worlds and think doing deep yeah. research into these things, and also there's not much academic literature on it. So it'll be I, I would have to go to developers and interview them and uh, actually fig, act, talk to graphic designers and. At Square Square Enix and Disney and uh, right about what what they're thinking. So oh, that sounds awesome. Um, what are the f- your favorite books or authors or people that have really influenced kind of how you think about design, how you think about design history, teaching, kind of all of this that we've talked about today? Who are the the people or the books that have you know really kind of shaped that? That's really interesting. I don't. I, they're not design books. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I don't. I didn't mean for them to be, uh, you know, designers. It's and the thing about it. It's hard because a lot of um, the 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 things that I think I I theorize in my head aren't things I necessarily have read. Oh, interesting. In a way, like the way that I've talked to talked to you about, like uh, how choreography and kind of rhythm kind yeah. of influences my. Um, compositions. Um, I do. Okay. I think I, I do think, I do think John Gamble, shout out to John Gamble, my type, mm. my type first type teacher um, for giving me Robert Bringhurst's um, elements of typographic style. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then hand in hand, I have to shout out my 10th grade English teacher who introduced me to the elements of style. Oh, nice. The, I think that as I, I think I've, I learned more and more, the better I feel at typography, the more, the less I feel like I know. 
Um, and, and so, and the thing about it is that it is, I was, we were having this conversation on Twitter. There's a bunch of us who I started a thread cause I was complaining about WA Duggan's name and graphic design, graphic design. Oh, I saw a little of this thread. <laughs> yeah. And so, but some, I, we were, I was, somebody responded and was talking about how important literacy was. And I was like, this is so true because like I do, the more you get into type, the more you understand a person will read this and you have to make the, you know, you have to make the language readable and legible. Like it has to be beautiful and it has to be something that makes sense to people. And then also when I got it, getting into writing has been helpful. So like this, I guess this is kind of more of a technical than theoretical thing, but knowing how to edit texts and then, yeah. Um, like also knowing how to arrange texts in a, um, in the best possible way to make it readable. Um, I think is an, is important. I, I use the term literacy engineer as opposed to graphic oh, I like designer that. because I think that I think that is actually what we do. Yeah, that's great. That, that was such a great way to end this too. Um, Jerome, this was such a fun conversation for me. I, I <laughs> enjoyed talking to you and kind of thinking about all of this stuff and thinking through all this stuff with you. Thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. This episode was recorded on May 14th, 2019. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.